Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! everybody, and welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Cardi. Hi, Annie. Hey, Walt. Annie, what do we do on Crossover Appeal? On Crossover Appeal, we take two fictional worlds, uh-huh. two fandoms, um, cross them right over Love as it. if it were the real world and a fantasy world combining, oh, I thought you were going to say, space and time. I thought you were going to say as if it were a real world road rules challenge. Oh, yeah. Well, that too. <laughs> that is that is too real. Yeah. Universes collide. Yeah. You know? Oh, I used to love those. Yeah, I did watch, and and I used to watch them and be like, I bet I could be on that. I think I used to watch them and think I would hate to be on that. Oh yeah, but still imagine myself on it. Like, oh, of course, like it would be like the idealized version of Annie who mm. did was not an introvert when Annie stopped being polite and started, and started getting, getting real, yeah real violent. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Did you oh not God. watch those versions? Yeah, the, director's The Mad cut? Max versions. Oh my gosh, I would watch that version. <laughs> Seriously. Well, uh, Annie, what uh, magical reality show worlds are we crossing over this time? Uh, so today we are crossing over the magical world of Pan's Labyrinth Ooh. and the magical high school world of Saved by the Bell. You know, I would actually argue that I think one of these properties has its feet more firmly planted oh, in reality than the other. 100%. And it's not the one you might think. <laughs> no. It's not the one that has a giant monster in it. No. Oh, no. I think that's the one that's far more realistic. Oh, that's, actually. yeah. Like the... Um... You meant Zach Morris, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the one you might think isn't, it, like, you might think it's the one with the giant monster, oh, yeah, no. but it's not. No, it is not. So t- tell us about the one with the giant monster, yeah, um, who's not Zach Morris. So uh, Zach Morris has not appeared in this film. Um, Pan's Labyrinth is a dark fan- fantasy movie from the mind of Guillermo del Toro. Uh, it was released in 2006 to critical acclaim and went on to win a bunch of awards, including uh, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, and Best Makeup at the Oscars. Hey. Uh, the idea for the film originally came from some lucid dreams del Toro had had as a child, in which he saw Fawn step out from behind a clock. Um also, Del Toro gets a lot of inspiration in general from fairy tales and folk tales and monsters and love and creepiness. So it this is, is like all his thing that, yeah. It's like James Cameron in the ocean. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, and apparently, Del Toro like keeps a notebook with all these ideas he has, and like ah. one of them was like, uh, "What if a pregnant lady fell in love with a fawn?" And like the story is very different from that, but it has yeah. two of those elements. Right. In it's it. like these questions that become the things that he'll pull. Yeah. Into yeah. Um, and I saw. I mean, again, I saw something online that was like he accidentally left it in a cab one and like freaked out oh, and like no. but managed to get it back Ooh. i know right because the cabbie was probably like i cannot sell this yeah right it's like this is. is this is going right into the lost and found i guess <laughs> i also like to picture it as like a, a trapper keeper like oh i would Frank hope so with cover. a yeah with a unicorn mm-hmm. on the cover yeah but like a dark unicorn oh yeah very edgy yeah unicorn. yeah um so for our edgy unicorns here um the story follows a young girl named ophelia who is living in Spain at the end of the Spanish Civil War. Um, She travels to a country estate with her pregnant mother to be with Captain Vidal, her new stepfather, and a captain in the Spanish Army who's been charged with hunting down rebels. Dun-dun-dun. He's a super nice guy. Oh, obviously. Yeah, totally. (laughs) all fascists are. Um, At the estate, Ophelia comes into contact with creepy fairies who lead her to a creepy labyrinth where she meets a fawn who believes she's the reincarnated spirit of Princess Moana, uh, daughter of the King of the Underworld. But and Annie- no, not that Moana. Oh, never mind. I, re- I know. I, re- I retract my question. Yep. <laughs> um, prin- this Princess Moana has visited the- or had visited the human world, but lost her memory, became mortal, and died. Mm. So the King of the Underworld built a la- like labyrinthian portals all around the world in case she returned. Ah. Um, 
The fawn gives Ophelia three tasks to complete if she wants to regain her immortality and rejoin her father in the underworld. Um, the tasks include getting a key from the belly of this giant toad and getting a dagger from a pale child-eating monster, which goes badly when Ophelia disobeys instructions not to eat anything in the monster's lair, waking the monster, causing her to attack her and yeah. the fairies she's with. And that's the eye hand dude, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's Played real. by Doug Jones. Like, like, who? Doug Jones. He's a... Uh, He's like when you need a super. Oh, tall I'm sorry. Guy. Played by Doug. Like played. By, oh no, not his name is Doug Jones. He has a name. Amy. I thought you said like Doug Jones, and I was like, <laughs> who's that? You know Doug Jones, that guy with no, his they, eyes in his hands. You know, classic uh, podcaster Doug Jones. Oh yeah, everybody's favorite. Um, apparently, so the same guy who played the um the, the pale man, in Shape of Water. Oh well, he also played the uh, the fawn here, so he does two parts. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, big old monster man. He's also so, yeah. He's like the guy when you need a tall, thin guy in a it, suit. It's like um, Andy in Circus, there. except yeah. tall With and thin. Foam. Yeah, <laughs> and latex. And they just we know how to move weird. Yeah, exactly. Um, so meanwhile, Captain Vidal and his soldiers are spreading violence um, in their attempts to find the rebels. One of whom is Mercedes, the housekeeper on the estate. Um, Vidal also finds out that a local doctor is a rebel sympathizer and kills him. Um, Ophelia's mother, who has been sick during her pregnancy, dies giving birth to Ophelia's brother. The fawn tells Ophelia that she can still complete the third task if she brings her brother to the labyrinth, which she agrees to do. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not the best choice, but you know. Well, you know, sometimes you, when you're creepy fantasy creatures like, are you're, telling you're you to get out. Your mom just died. Your stepfather's yeah. like a psychopath. This like, thing's a magical thing. Yeah, so you're right. Like, hey. Why not? I want to go somewhere magic. Mm-hmm. Um, so led by Mercedes, the rebels attack. Um, Vidal, thinking that Ophelia is also a traitor, follows her. Ophelia refuses to give the baby to the fawn, though, um, who is going to basically, who basically it's like says, a sacrifice. yeah, exactly. Like and she, and Ophelia's like, oh, no, yeah. my brother and I have been through a lot today. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Vidal sees um, what he thinks is Ophelia talking to herself um, and takes the baby and shoots Ophelia. Oh, no. So he's a jerk. Yeah, he's just not a cool he's dude. He's the worst. Yeah. Um, but the rebels show up. They take the baby from Vidal and kill him, too. Right, um, there's good. a great moment where Vidal is like, you know, tell my son, like, the moment, I, you know, about the the, t- the time I died or something. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we're not going to tell him even your name. Oh, <laughs> Screw snap. You. Yeah. Um, bang, bang. So she kills him. Or um, Pedro, her brother, kills him. And mm-hmm. then um, in the human world, Ophelia dies in Mercedes' arms. And um, in the alternate fairy world, um, she's returned to her underworld family. Oh, yay. So it's like a sad ending. Sad, happy. Kind, yeah. yeah it, you're it's like, one of those endings that falls along the lines of like, how much do you believe this fantasy? Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, that's those are some feelings. Yeah. Hey, Guillermo. Uh, yeah, right. Tell me more about your feels. Lots of feels here. Um, the characters we have are Ophelia, a young girl who may be an underworld princess and who definitely needs a better family support system. For sure. Uh, the Fawn, a creepy guide to the magical labyrinthian underworld. Captain Vidal, Ophelia's stepfather, a captain in the fascist Spanish army and real life creepy dude. Um, Carmen, Ophelia's mother, who maybe could have picked a better husband. Mercedes. Yeah, do, they, do they say like how that happened? Not that I can remember. Yeah, it's um, not like a thing. And I'm sure it's like, you know, he's in power and like yeah. maybe you don't have that many choices. True, you're doing it for safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, we can't really blame her. It's true. Um. There's Mercedes, the housekeeper and rebel leader. Um. Pedro, Mercedes' brother and another rebel. Dr. Ferrero, um, the local doctor and rebel sympathizer. And monsters like the Pale Man, who's the most memorable creepy monster from the film. He's and like creepy. one of the cinema's most memorable creepy monsters yeah he's a he's a real good monster yeah um yeah i think there was i saw an interview once where doug jones talked about like how the two of them devised the pale man like figured out how he moved and like what his deal was and it was mostly like del toro's art but it's yeah like, the performance is really distressing because right, it's and it's not like the story is about him at all yeah but it's i think that that scene in particular is so key in there's just the visual aesthetic of the movie mm-hmm. and this thing that is like awakened and so unsettling and yeah. violent and destructive and, and kills the innocent. Yeah. And I feel like Del Toro is so good at taking like 
things that feel real and moving them like a few steps away into surreality. Yeah. So like even the re- even the weirdest stuff he comes up with has some kind of grounding in a familiar. Yeah, because it's a person. It's a humanoid shape. Right. But then the eyes are on his hands and, and like his re- mouth is all drawn in. Yeah, it's very creepy. Mm-mm. Um, so some themes here, um, rebellion and power struggles. Obviously, it's a big one with the Spanish Civil War in the background as the rebels are fighting against a fascist government and Ophelia learns to rebel against her tyrannical stepfather. Um, darkness in general. Mm-hmm. This was a real dark time for Spain. And even as Ophelia longs to be part of a magical kingdom, her trials are real dark. And again, maybe it's a happy ending. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, nothing is gentle for people living at this time. Like it's a, just a brutal landscape and it's a hard one to grow up in yeah, if you very, get to grow up at all. Yeah, it's very Grimm's fairy tales where like the world is dark and terrifying and that's why these stories exist. Right. They're not there to comfort you. They're there to like explain all the weird horror Right. And it's like, no, you've got to fight against these terrible things that are very brutal and happening in the world. Mm -hmm. And that will ask way too much of you and demand that you make these terrible choices. Yeah. And maybe you won't survive. Mm -hmm. Um, And sacrifice is is another big one here. Like Ophelia ultimately sacrifices herself for her brother Mm -hmm. um, in, in a war landscape. People are sacrificing themselves for what they see as a greater good. Yeah. Um. And, you know, even I think Vidal would say he's sacrificing for what he sees as a greater good. Yeah. Um, which makes him a very interesting villain. Exactly. Even if he's sac- if he's sacrificing his soul. Like yeah. He's oh, yeah. To he's sacrificing his family. He's sacrificing his soul. He's sacrificing um, really yeah, any any sense of kind of decency. Yeah. Um, it's like war and the world that it's happening in as this just kind of machinery that's grounding people up. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it's not like we get a sense of him being truly like a true sociopath Mm -hmm. um but he's he's 100 on the side of the the fascist government yeah he's totally compromised it's not like oh he's he's a good guy no yeah he's been forced into this terrible thing it's like no no, he's awful yeah but he thinks he he thinks he's doing the right thing right he's a true believer yeah um and so creepy because of it mm-hmm. um so some things i like and think other people will like um it's just a beautifully constructed movie like del toro knows how to create an arresting visual story um yeah. and i think i mean i haven't seen several other of his movies but i know like i think this is one of the top ones in terms of just creating this intense visual world that is really um like appealing and yet upsetting yeah and i think i I didn't see if it was on your list or not but the hellboy movies i put uh, i haven't seen those but i put hellboy on there hellboy 2 especially was a fascinating experience of being like oh wow i'm watching this movie that is so visually brilliant and like almost aggressively crazy and weird and delightful and it's such a fun movie the script is so bad it's like you're right. You're watching a movie and you're like, oh man, this is so obviously written by someone for whom English is a second language. Yeah, because like all of the lines are totally like functional. Yeah, here's what I need to say to make a thing happen. But then like he does like there's a magical marketplace scene and like the world that he creates around it is so lush. Yeah, that he just yeah he is someone I think who loves cinema and that form of storytelling and is just so enthusiastic about yeah. it. Yeah. And again, like here he's, I mean, it's a Spanish language film, mm-hmm. so you don't have any of that weird translation issue. Right. Um, And I think the background of the Spanish Civil War makes it like that much more emotionally interesting. Right. It comes um, with immediate stakes. Yeah. Which is kind of the second thing I think is great is that it's such a perfect combination of this dark fantasy story, but also a real historical drama. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as an American audience, like we don't see a lot about the Spanish Civil War. Yeah. Like it's a, a footnote in your high school Spanish class. And it's so abstracted. Yeah. And, and it seems so other at this mm-hmm. point. Um, mm-hmm. But it was real recent. And yeah. again, like lots of people died. Things right. did not go well. It's a terrible thing. Yeah. And in so many ways, like, yeah, turning this kind of fairy tale telling can drive home so much more of the visceral right. terror just, of uh, just it. Just so it being so upsetting, yeah. Um, and again, you're getting the the real hard realities of war, 
and then this horror of a dark fantasy landscape. Yeah, you're waking to a world that you didn't realize existed. Yeah, um, which is so perfectly you. balanced in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's probably about as close to, to horror as I'm going to get. Oh, yeah. So if you're like me, like, this is a good choice. Like, <laughs> it's very creepy. It Bad stuff happens, mm-hmm. but it never, like pushes you so far over the line it's never like, like exploitative yeah or, yeah there's one moment where i remember before i went to see it like i knew that um i think it's mercedes who like cuts vidal's face like she like slashes him in the mouth mm-hmm. um and i like that was a moment that i was like oh i'm gonna wait for that because like oh i don't think this is gonna be fun to watch and like it's yeah. not but it's also not like so grotesque yeah i think he takes care of his audience yeah he's very aware like his goal is not to scare you it's to unsettle you yeah but it's not just to like get a shock right exactly yeah it's a mood more than like a a jump scare yeah absolutely um so yeah can you tell us about the the jump scares scares by the bell of the 80s i guess um both basically yeah that's true it did really bridge the gap yeah um saved by the bell everybody uh (laughs) disclaimer up front i love saved by the bell it is trash. It's such garbage. <laughs> so, but I watched every single episode oh yeah. multiple so times. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking about a piece of garbage. <laughs> um, Saved by the Bell is a 1983 sitcom and nostalgia piece for millennials everywhere, uh, which aired for four seasons and then had you know endless reboots and reimaginings and reunions and all of that. Um, it was actually, even before that, a spinoff of a previous sitcom called Good Morning, Miss Bliss, which was a vehicle for Haley Mills. Yeah. Uh, and is prime trivia fodder for your next hipster bar night. Um, yeah. And I think Good Morning, Miss Bliss and Saved by the Bell got shown a lot in syndication jumbled together. Yeah. As well. It was basically the same show. Yeah, they just um, took Haley Mills out of it. Yeah. And I think when I was watching it, I assumed that it was like, okay, you know, the Miss Bliss stuff was like either middle school or like freshman year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Zach Morris moved because it, it was set in like Illinois or something. Oh, that's right, I forgot. It was yeah. the exact same set, but it was like right. this is it was in it was in middle in America, Midwest. yeah. And then they bumped it to California, yeah, because that's way cool. cool, yeah. Um, so yeah, the show, boy, is there no way to synopsize this plot because there is none. It's right. just a setup and it is exactly the setup you expect when I say mid 1980s high school teen comedy. Uh, the show focuses on a group of California high schoolers and for some reason their principal who always hangs yeah, around. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, the group is led by incorrigible scamp and avatar of white male privilege everywhere, Zach Amen. Morris. Who also kind of has magic power. Yeah, he can sort of stop time sometimes and he has a giant cell phone um i don't know if we ever actually meet his parents do we meet his parents oh yeah we do because his um his parents are divorced and oh like, that's right yeah there's some drama there yeah so they've tried to make up for it by giving him a big cell phone and magic powers yeah um but uh the cast also includes feminist jesse spano popular girl kelly kapowski total nerd and future men's rights activist in both fictional and real life screech powers yeah, right? uh total jock and mullet head ac slater and rich girl lisa turtle also lisa turtle secret MVP of this oh, cast. Yeah, absolutely. Like, she's the only one who I would actually want to spend time with. Mm-hmm. She's a reasonable pro- I think it's honestly because they ran out of archetypes. So well, they made her something dangerously close to a rounded character because she had to be whatever the plot lines necessitated yeah, right? for her to be. But also, I remember hearing that back in the day, like, they were making her, like, spoiled they were they were gonna cast her as like a spoiled Jewish girl, mm. which like really, which yeah. would not have gone over. No, great. like oh my god. Um, but then um, they cast uh, uh, Lark Forhees, and like yeah. she's great. Yeah. which also I think like again helps flip things a little. A Absolutely, little. you have a person of color in this. Yeah, part, in this role pro, as the rich girl. Yeah, and um, she's and also she, a better actor than most of yeah, the rest of the Yeah, and she gets cast. to be funny. And not have to be the Kelly Kapowski. Right. Um, where you're just the the love object. Yeah, she doesn't have to carry the weight of being either the love object or the love object's friend. Yeah. She gets to be a sort of pinch hitter. And again, come in yeah. where the plots need and, her, which yeah. results in her having, by the end of the show, amassed more character traits than most of the other yeah. characters who are stuck in their own rut. Um yeah, the show, uh, for some reason, all of these people who are very different all hang out with one another and only one another through four years of high school and also some college. Yeah. Um, yeah, they all go to the same college. It's kind of sad. 
Except, uh, oh no, I think Lisa goes somewhere else. Oh yeah, she gets out. Oh no, Jesse does too, right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, there are definitely two other girls. Okay. So yeah, good job, ladies. Yeah, they got out. Good call. Um, the gang gets into all sorts of wacky misadventures, watched over by overbearing pr- principal Mr. Belding, uh, who really just wants to be cool and is not. Um, and they invent dance moves, hang out at the Max Shake Shack, and occasionally get addicted to caffeine pills so that they won't let down their band, which is actually just all of the girls jumping around in like workout suits. Yep. That's, That's where bands are. <laughs> yeah. Well, then there was another episode where they had a real band. Oh. And it was like kind of a fantasy episode where oh, it was like the Zack Attack or something. <laughs> and like they they get famous. Oh, no. And then like they, they, they're too famous and they yeah. all go their separate ways and break up because fame is a, a real hard drug. What is the band in the caffeine pill? Is it like Hot Coffee or something? Hot it has like chocolate. Some, it's like some terrible <laughs> hot name. Toddy. Hot Toddy. No, no that's hot, a real no, band. The Hot Toddies are a real band and they're delightful. It's like, is it like Colt? Dang, I'm going to Google this. You keep talking. All right, I'm going to keep talking. I'll talk about the characters, who we've already talked about, because literally those little quick summations I gave are the characters. Um, There's Zach Morris. He's incorrigible and has magic powers. Kelly Kapowski. She's so unattainable. Jesse Spano. She's so hilariously progressive. A.C. Slater. He's so strong yet vulnerable. Lisa Turtle. She's so rich and out of touch, but also way too tolerant of Screech, who's just a creep. And a terrible human being. Um, Mr. Belding is also there. Miss Bliss should have been there, but wasn't. I feel like trading down from Haley Mills to Mr. Belding is really a sad move. It really is. On everybody's parts. Um, Also, the band is Hot Sunday. Hot Sunday. Somehow even worse than all of the ones we came up with. (laughs) Exactly. Woof. Um, other minor characters who I don't remember from the show, but have spooled, pulled specifically because I enjoyed their names when I saw them on a list on Wikipedia, Violet um, and Bickerstaff. Played by Tori Spelling. What? Yeah. Okay. I do remember her yeah. now. So Violet and Bickerstaff, quote, big and quote, Pete Stonebreaker. I bet he I was he, a short guy. He was a nerd. Yeah. Well, well, tell me if you think this next character was a nerd. His name is Maxwell Nerdstrom. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he was a jock. Yeah. Captain of the football team. Uh, Kevin the robot. James the actor. At a certain point, the uh, the writers just ran out of last names to give people. Uh, <laughs> oh, was... And there's A.C. Slater's little sister, J.B. Slater. <laughs> Oh, J.B. Slater. Oh, man. These folks. Uh, I love them. Fun pop culture trivia, specifically as it pertains to Walt. Um, The one of the head writers uh, for the show went to my high school. Yeah. And came back and spoke to uh, the prefects at my high school, of which I was one. Um, I'm still not sure why during prefect training they decided that we should have a talk from Carl Kurlander, who is great. He's a delightful dude. He wrote he, Saint I'm Elmo's sure Fire. I'm sure he made a ton of money. Yeah, you know, he did great. He was and he the the great thing about it was he was just totally oh. upfront with like, yeah, this was a this was a thing we did. We all had fun doing it. And like and you had fun watching it. Yeah. And so. also I really wish I had that sweet save by the bell money. Oh man, that'd be great. Um he's back in Pittsburgh now doing cool Pittsburgh film stuff. So shout out to Carl Kurlander. He's cool. Um themes and fun stuff of the show. Unrealistic expectations of high school. Um, this show, I think I allowed to define way more of what I thought high school would be. Yeah. We, I mean, we talked about this in the Daria episode last week or last time oh, because yeah. we were on our like high school back to school tour. Yeah. I mean, this month. I think when when I was in elementary school and watching this, I assumed like, oh, that's what high school's like. Mm-hmm. And then once I got into middle school and that was awful, I was like, wait a minute. Hold on. It's more like Daria and Buffy. Everything's a lie. Everything is a lie. Yeah. Um, unrealistic expectations of friend hangout spots. Oh, this yeah. was one that did actually stick with me through high school where I was like, oh, I just wish like my friends had a place yeah, to like, right. hang out. And, and, and I ha- think that's, I mean, I think you've got the. Um, Oh, what what was the place in Happy Days? The burger place they yeah. hung out at. So I think it's Which like, is totally the Max. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think like the Max and that had like a spinoff into every other sitcom. Mm-hmm. Where, right, because like, you need a set. Yeah. Are, I mean, it's Central Perk on Friends. Right. It's like you need a third place that they can That's all be. That's not an apartment or and, house. Right, yeah. and they can always be the same. And then yeah. you can have some business happening behind right. so the shot isn't static. Um, but yeah, I remember being in high school and being like, oh man, my friends don't have like a hangout place until I realized, oh wait, I have more than four friends yeah right and we, and go we to do many different, different things places. right um you t- bragging about your more than four friends i mean i had i had 
upwards of a dozen. I was going to be like, I did not need a hangout spot because I just hung out on my own. I mean, with reading. Reading books are a hangout spot. Yeah, and I did have... And you had millions of friends. On the internet. Well, and and in your books. And in my books. And in uh, fan fiction. That's true. You can make your own. Yeah, and and then share it with other people. builds a robot. True. Um, I, true. I guess Kevin the robot was the proto internet. Yeah, and then your book friends help also, you cheat on internet tests. friends are also real life friends. I'm They're not making much. fun of that. They're no, great. That's actually very true. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Shout out to the straight dope message board, which got me through high school. See, uh, yeah, you and your four <laughs> friends. I didn't say if they were real or not, or physically p- present or not. There we go. Um. Hey, speaking of more unrealistic expectations from Saved by the Bell, let's talk about unrealistic expectations of how major issues like substance abuse and drug driving are handled. Um, Also, occasional time travel powers. Yeah, what? Man, this show is all over the place. Um, Unrealistic expectations of how much middle-aged dudes actually know or care about authentic teen life that nonetheless proves strangely irresistible and worms its way into your brain even as you know it's terrible. I feel like it's like... um... High School Musical, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's the guy who's the director and creator of High School Musical. He did, oh, yeah. um, I think he directed Dirty Dancing. He did mm-hmm. Newsies. Like, he's the guy who like truly understands what preteens want, right? And I think this hits the same things where it's like it's not reality. No, none of this is reality, but you want to think it could be. Yeah, you want something that's aspirational but safe. Yeah, it's like here's a curated world where everybody's cool even when they're not. Yeah. And You'll have the, a group of friends who are very... Even the nerds get to hang out with the cool kids. Yeah. And like things change, but not really. And you never actually have to deal with anything scary. Right. And when you do, it's somebody coming in at the end of the show to give you a monologue about right. it. Right. And then you're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, unrealistic expectations of a young cast full of talent, mm-hmm. none of whom really made it out of things unscathed. Yeah. I, I mean, like. again, we've talked about Pitch and Mark Paul Gossler. Like he did a great job there. Yeah. He um, had a he had a long time in the wilderness though, and yeah. has now come out and is still playing basic variations on Zach Morris, but with like more age and nuance to them. Yeah, and you know I really hope it works out for all of them. Like um, uh, Tiffany Thiessen has been on a bunch of TV mm-hmm. shows too. Like there, I don't want any of them to like do badly. Oh, I want many of them. Oh to do wait, badly. no, that's true. Yeah. Um, uh, Screech can do very Scree- badly. Dustin Diamond, Mr. Belding's a creepo. Oh yeah, he just goes around to parties and. Is tries a to sleep with girls off of yeah. Mr. Belding. And uh and Mario Lopez is also Is he a creeper? I just thought he was like there. He's he's like I don't know anything about him as a person. I he's like than the like physical and vacant mental embodiment of Hollywood culture. In a way well, that's just like of like but of like totally cloistered starness. Like he I did think... a show that was all about like People who were mean to celebrities online and then the celebrity shows up at the person's house and like forces them to apologize. That's true. I think I will still take him over Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. There was some other sketchy stuff with Mario Lopez that I'm not recalling. Never mind then. I don't think he was like an abuser or anything. He's just made some very questionable decisions and actions. Um, So yeah. So there are a couple people I hope do well. Yeah. And then there are trash people. Yeah. But you know, it was. Network television in the 80s. Oh, Isn't that the truth and all I mean, over the place? They were all young when they started. So, oh, yeah. So, uh, that's a large Lin- Lindsay Lohan um, ratio right yeah, there. That's true. They're, they're doing okay, batting yeah. average wise. Um, and the final theme and fun stuff to take from Saved by the Bell, of course, teamwork makes the dream work. High five. Yeah, especially if you're in a fictional jump band. Shot. Jump yeah. shot. Hi, yeah, jump high five. Freeze frame. Uh, big neon triangles swooping yeah. in from nowhere and squiggly lines on the screen. Wake up in the morning. And, and something, alarm something. sets out a warning. So, yeah. I think you're going to make it on time. Anyway. The time, yeah. I could really keep going. We're attempting to do the theme song for this one. <laughs> we made it through the entire Fresh Prince episode without attempting to do that theme song, which I do know word for word. Whereas Saved by the Bell, I do not. I think I would know both of them. Really? Yeah. I watched a lot of TV. Pop quiz, Hotshot. Say by the bell. Hit me. No, I'm not going to sing. Oh. Well, you don't have to sing. It can be a recitation. No. Now I have the pressure. <laughs> no, it's true. I wouldn't do that to you. Thank you. Um, But yeah, I certainly don't know it. But everything else from the show is stuck in my memory and has redefined my expectations. By the time I grab my books and I give myself a look... Um, I'm, I'm at, at the corner, corner just in time to see, see the bus, bus fly by. It's all right because right, I'm saved by oh, the that's bell. It, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I guess there aren't more verses. Man, I think not there might have been... But those are the main ones. Yeah, that's the only ones that matter. Hey, let's talk about thematic crossovers between Pan's (laughs) Labyrinth and Saved by the Bell. So come with me here. Okay. Um, 
whereas the Pan's Labyrinth world is using fantasy as a way to explore real life darkness and violence. Mm -hmm. Saved by the Bell is using fantasy to explore the wish fulfillment of high school. Mm. We are putting a fantasy lens on two terrible things. (laughs) Of equal terribleness. I cannot stress this enough. They are exactly the same on the level of terribleness. (laughs) The absolute moral equivalence, high school and the The Spanish Spanish Revolution. The Spanish Civil War. Spanish Civil War, rather. (laughs) <laughs> no i'm with you i'm totally with you so not the same morally but yeah the, a similar approach in terms of this is not real life right they're crafting fantasy worlds to tell a fairy a fairy tale version of events that that that, that touch on many people's lives yeah sure yeah i'm with that i'm with um, that yeah um yeah i mean betrayal yeah. Saved by the Bell, one of them betrayed the others, like every episode. Every, yeah. Come on. Um, questionable authority figures. Yeah, real questionable. Mr. Belding, total fascist. True. And um, a real unstable government mm-hmm. of yeah. high school. Just yeah. a walking unstable. You know, maybe it was all a metaphor. Maybe this, yeah. maybe Saved by the Bell was the proto-Pan's <laughs> Labyrinth. Yep. <laughs> Let's check the writing credits for Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, let's see. Did Which episode did he do? <laughs> did Carl Curlander go on to consult on Pan's Labyrinth? I would hope so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a screech is a monster, let's oh be God, honest. so terrible. He and the Pale Man. Can, well, we'll get to that yeah. in the physical crossover. <laughs> Will we ever? Yeah. So, hey, let's jump into it. How does this physical crossover happen? Um, so I think we're going to kind of smoosh some timelines yeah. together. Yeah. Which time period do we want to go? I mean, Zach Morris has time travel powers. True. I mean, he could fall asleep in the middle of a Spanish test. Oh, yes. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> what? what were you going to say? No, I just, I just love this concept that the first five minutes of this is every Saved by the Bell episode you've ever seen. And Zach Morris falls asleep in his Spanish test and then suddenly wakes up and the fawn is just like, give me your blood. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm thinking he wakes up in the Spanish Civil War. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, maybe he's a soldier yeah. in the, the fascist army. Mm-hmm. Um and he's like, whoa, time out. Yeah, and right. nothing happens. Yes. The guy next to and he's him like, oh, shot. God. Yes. <laughs> um, and I can see um, Jesse being part of the rebellion. Mm-hmm. You know? She, yeah. She's a total rebel. Yeah. Kelly? Complicit. Kelly, yeah. I think she's working in the house. She's like, I just don't want problems. Yeah. She doesn't want to ask a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Screech, total fascist. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to say Slater's on the, the rebel side. Yeah. Partly, well, I think partly because he's the only Latino. Oh, yeah. Even though everybody in the Spanish Civil War was Hispanic. That's true. <laughs> but it's like, I want it. Let's let's give one for the, the rebel team. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he's part of the fascist army, but he's a double agent. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Kind of like the doctor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's 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 working with the doctor. We'll yeah. Say. Okay. There you go. I mean, Asus Slater is not that smart. No, but he but, could run messages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so yeah, um, uh, I want to say maybe Lisa's in in the the high ranking fascist families. Yeah, I think it's so. privilege. Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah, maybe she'll learn to not do that. Yeah, but I don't think she's like actively working no. against it. No. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Lisa. You had know, too much right? nuance. Right. You just had too. Well, yeah, and it's like okay. Well, you know, that's her her character trait on the show is that she likes material goods Mm -hmm. she's gonna side she's gonna slither in this she's siding with the winners she's gonna slither in it all up yeah um okay so they're in the spanish civil war how does uh how do how does ophelia figure into it um so i think maybe the same kind of things are happening Mm -hmm. um and actually maybe at some point Zach Morris is like time out and it stops and she's the only one who's moving. Oh, yeah. And so he like because at the end of Pan's Labyrinth, Vidal sees Ophelia and or talking to herself. Right? Yeah, he sees her just talking to herself. Mm-hmm. Um, So obviously he doesn't see anything magic. Yeah. But maybe Zach, because that he has magic powers, like he has an entryway into that world. So he sees mm. Ophelia and the fawn and is like, what is going on? Right. Like, I, think I was like, never freaked out by my own magic powers, but now I see other people's magic powers and, and I'm freaked like out. Yeah. yeah, and there's no neon anywhere. No. Here. Where's the hyper color? Exactly. Um, yeah, and I think that like he, 
Um, he, I think it's like in media race, like like yeah. it's already like a quarter of the way yeah. through Pan's oh, exactly. Labyrinth. So like things are in motion. She's already found the the frog the and the toad. Yeah, yeah. And he's just like, oh no, I don't like this at all. Um, but yeah, and then I think maybe his powers start to pull the other Saved by the Bellians into this, yeah. into the fantasy world yeah. as well. Or maybe they all have counterparts in the fairy in the fairy realm. That's true. Um, well, let's say. No, because I want Screech to get eaten by the yeah, pale exactly. man. I don't want him to be the pale man. No. So I, I'm thinking that like maybe Zach realized, like Zach knows that he's not in the right timescape. He's mm-hmm. like, this is messed up. Yeah, I've got to get home. Wrong. And maybe like everybody else. I didn't else, study for this. I did not study for this pop quiz. No. Um, That's why Screech is a fascist because he did study and he knows. Yeah. He's like, these guys won. But uh, see, that's what I'm thinking. Our... The, are the other Saved by the Bell characters aware? Or I, is this, I'm guess, I in my mind, I'm thinking it's like that episode of Doctor Who where the doctor doesn't remember who he is oh, and Martha remembers. Mm-hmm. And she's just trying to like go along with things until the right time. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe they come in and it's like historic cosplay episode yeah. where they're all in these roles. Yeah. But then they gradually start to forget. Yeah. They're sliding into their personalities. Yeah. They're like, they're. And so Zach is like, I need to get, find a way to get us home. Yeah. And maybe he makes a deal with the fawn. Oh man. Yeah. What's the deal? Um, gotta give somebody's blood. Um, fawn's big on blood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's the blood of the innocent and he's not innocent. No. He smoked marijuana that one time. Yeah, that's right. At a party yeah. with the actor. What a monster. Yeah. Johnny the actor Johnny, or whatever his name Johnny is. Johnny McActor. Yeah. <laughs> McActorson. <laughs> that's, that's what they're all called. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, maybe like, maybe the Fawn is trying to figure him out too of like. Yeah. And like where he's from. And maybe the fairy kingdom wants to open their uh, portal into modern day world too. They want yeah. to escape this. They're not happy with how things are going. True. Um, or maybe... I mean, maybe they said, like, there are all these portals all around the world in mm-hmm. time and space. Maybe. What is high school but the ultimate labyrinth? I know, right? <laughs> um, and again, like, maybe that's why Zach has powers. And maybe mm-hmm. he is also a uh, an escaped fairy person who forgot who he was. Following the naming conventions of AC and J.B. Slater, he is Prince Boana. Yay! <laughs> Got Moana. We got Boano. 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 Bono. Prince Bono. Oh, there you go. (laughs) That's that's a real 80s powerhouse of music right there. I'm okay. I'm going to commit to this. Um, So yeah, I think that, yeah, he needs to sort of try to unravel this puzzle. Yeah. In order to get all his friends back. Yeah. And maybe Ophelia is sacrificing herself to also help them. I don't know, man. No. She's I got think, her own stuff to worry yeah, about. Yeah, and she's a kid. Like, yeah, that's a lot to take on. I think maybe Zach like maybe ends up being like kind of big brothery and it's like, yeah. okay, I like I need to get lo- my friends home, but this kid has nobody. Yeah, they get sort of like a Logan vibe going. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We're 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 really retconning. We're doing we're doing the, great work. Yeah. We're doing great work and it's wonderful. Um because yeah, like I don't actually want to mess up the Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Story too much. Yeah. Does Ophelia know that he's there? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. she she's also weirded out. Like, why can you see this too? Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe, actually, maybe she's not. Maybe she assumes everybody else can. Right. And the Fawn's talking to her because That's she's true. alone. Yeah, she's just accepting this. Yeah. So, yeah, then maybe, like, he's trying to bring the friends in to, like... To try to pull them out of things like what, you know, he's like, oh, come to the, come follow this girl. We're yeah. going to all get out together. But then it's like the pale man or the th- the pale man. Yeah. And, and and maybe, well, maybe the fawn, instead of having Zach make a sacrifice, says that maybe Zach has to, like, they have to be um, Ophelia's court, basically. Oh, They yeah. have to help her on the way mm-hmm. to getting her thrown back. And, like, advise her. Yeah. So then, yeah, uh, uh, Screech gives her the berries that she eats in the pale man's Yeah, chamber. right. Or, yeah. Like, and he causes that whole kerfuffle yeah, right? to go down and gets eaten because just please. Yeah, right. Get just doesn't die eat out his eyeballs. As fast as yeah. possible. Um, yeah, I think um, Kelly probably doesn't make it. Yeah. She's just not interesting enough. Yeah. And she's not especially bright. Yeah. I like, she's like fine. Slater probably sacrifices himself. Yeah. We'll give him that noble Yeah, right. There send you go. Off. Sure. He and Zach were really friends I think, all along. And, um, yeah, maybe Lisa realizes, like, wow, this is re- actually real bad. This is not just, like, I have a credit card and go to, can go to the no. mall. What this if she is- gets left behind? 
Oh no! What if she like refuses to go with them, and oh then it's God. like it, it all lands on her at the end of it? Well, see, because I don't think Lisa is so self-centered that she would see like the destruction of other people and yeah. be like, "Whatever, I got mine." Yeah, I think maybe she starts off being like, "But I'm staying at the estate. We got housekeepers. True, Re- you know, rebel. The rebels lost. Why don't they just give up?" Yeah. Um, but then once she sees that there's like legit violence and like destruction and the and Captain Vidal is like a terrible person. She's yeah, like, oh, true. no, I'm yeah. going to help this little girl who's like a nice person. And she was on the same side as Screech. And that's not cool. Exactly. So, OK, yeah, I'm OK with her coming along then. Yeah. Um, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse. I think she you know what? Maybe she stays behind. She's like, oh, I'm going to stay fighting. with the rebels. Yeah. yeah, I like that. She's working with Mercedes by the end of it. Exactly. Cool. So that, I think that's a good segue into games. Yeah. So best buddies, Jesse and Mercedes. Maybe have a lot to talk um, about. kiss your faces. Maybe kiss your faces. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. I mean, Mercedes is uh, at least I remember her being a little older, but she could be younger. Yeah, exactly. Or, or they can be the same age. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's that's I, what I mean. All, all's fair. In love and war, yeah, um, yeah, and I think uh, uh, I don't know. I don't. There aren't a lot of other kiss your face opportunities. Yeah, because there's. Um, I mean, Mercedes' brother Pedro, another rebel. Uh, um, yeah. Maybe maybe he's the one who wins Lisa over. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I like that. Give Lisa mm-hmm. a little wink, wink. Yeah, absolutely. She, she man, she deserves it. Yeah, right. Up a screech oh for my four God. seasons. Yeah. Um, the kiss your faces of the pale man's face eating Dustin eating. Diamond's yeah. face. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. Um. um uh, Battle Dome, um, obviously everybody versus Captain Badal. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Belding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's in the, he's in the bad I can guys. See, and I think also Captain Badal versus Mr. Belding. <laughs> yeah. I think he's, Mr. Belding is like a toady. Like yeah. he's like trying to be really cool yeah. and evil and Badal's like, I don't like no, you. No. And eventually he just kills him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. That's a good Battle Dome. I think uh, maybe Zach Morris and AC Slater have a fight before they realize that they're on the same side. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, now we're just pitting the cast of Saved by the Bell against one another. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dance puppets. Maybe the Fawn and AC Slater fight. Oh, yeah. See, I was going to say we needed the Fawn to fight with someone. Yeah. They're both pretty buff. Yeah. Um, and actually, let's say um, maybe um, Best Buddies, Kelly and Ophelia's mother, Carmen. Oh, yeah. For ladies who maybe don't have the best man choices. That's true. And don't really make it out great. Yeah. And it's like, I, you know. I just I wish be- there was better for you. It's true. You you deserved better than this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I like. I feel like we've we've hit a good mix of tragedy with yeah. with light Saved by the Bell so, teen angst. Um. In this version, does the ending change? Mm. Does Ophelia? I don't know because it's like, so lovely. I know, right? And that's real sad and awful. I think. But- it- I think like so in in Pan's Labyrinth it's like oh we need we needed you to it wasn't that we needed the blood of an innocent yeah. it was, that was the last test it was yeah. like we needed you to sacrifice yourself right. maybe that is what is needed to get home for yeah. Zach like they need this sacrifice but they yeah. never tell them that it's not yeah. like you can't like tell Ophelia to sacrifice yeah. herself it's you have to help shepherd her to this final choice and if she chooses the correct path then you will yeah. be sent back like yeah. maybe like the blood powers. Blood for the blood god, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they're like, okay, we're going to support you. And they see her get shot. Mm-hmm. And like, and then, okay, this, sends them back. No, I think they see, a, they feel a portal open. But yeah. before they're sent back to the present time, they're sent to the fairy court and see mm-hmm. her getting coronated. Oh, okay. And then they're sent away. Yeah. Like she does the like the movie nod, like the smile and yeah. nod of like you could talk to these people, but you're just gonna smile yeah. enigmatically and nod at yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. And then they're like shown out, and then they well they wake up, and Zach fails the test. Yeah, there you go. Because he puts all this down. But then, um, he like he's like, wow, that was a weird dream I had when I was sleeping during my pop quiz in Spanish mm-hmm. class. But then he sees like the fawn footprint on a locker or something. Oh, man. And he's like, man, the fawn stole my caffeine pills. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, no. The fawn is like, I feel great. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. What is, um, what is excited in Spanish? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, uh, yo soy um, emocionado. <laughs> he is very emocionado. I mean, that's what happens. Agitado? Yeah. And you know the fawn is the fawn wouldn't know. He would think it's magical powers. Yeah, exactly. Really, I mean, <laughs> sorry, fawn. It's really well, just drugs. I mean, like coffee gives me magical powers, that is basically. True. Yeah, it does give us magical, magical powers. Yeah. 
Um, I feel good about this. I think we yeah. actually just broke out an entire plot. Yeah, that's a, that's a story right there. Yeah, absolutely. Spec script. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> this will be. A, You're welcome, Del Toro. This will be a very easy sell to Guillermo. I oh, one hundred percent. This is what he's been waiting for to revisit the universe exactly. of Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> he just needed that window in. <laughs> oh my god, he's gonna be like, I hate you. Mm-hmm. He's I like, you've, <laughs> you've destroyed my life. Never talk to me and my son again. <laughs> it's a meme. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, well, if people want more Pan's Labyrinth adjacent material yeah. that is not this spec script that's yes. going to make us a million dollars. And and make us one enemy mm-hmm. of Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Where can they look? Um, they can look to other del Toro movies, like The Shape of Water, for which del Toro won the Academy Award for Best Picture, which sounds like a happier version of del Toro's story of the idea of a woman falling in love with a weirdo fairy tale monster. It does eat a cat at one point. I know, like, that's real not good. The kitten, yeah. Um, is it a kitten? I think it's a kitten. <gasps> I can't never watch that movie. I was oh, already no. upset when the cat got eaten in um, Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. That was real not cool. Yeah. Oh, no. I'll watch it and let you know if it's a cat okay. or a kitten. Okay. And either way. Oh, that's sad. But it's a monster. Monsters got to eat but things. But he's the romantic lead. That's true. <laughs> when you put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's Crimson Peak. Which uh, I the... really want to watch, actually. I think that's too scary for me. I've watched clips of it on the internet which mm-hmm. is about as close as i can get all right um and it's a victorian thriller i think you'd like it a lot actually about a novelist who marries a man and moves into his creepy house with him and his creepy sister like it's very poe-esque plus blood yeah i think it's bluebeard is the fairy tale it's based off of probably it sounds similar to yeah. that except without a sister and crimson yeah instead of blue yeah well you know dead ladies that's true um their specific rim, which is not creepy and just plain awesome uh, about monsters fighting robots. Mm-hmm. Uh, As we have revisited. Exactly. Um, so go go check out our episode that's Pacific Rim and Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Uh, sorry. See that? No, Guillermo del Toro. I bet he'd like Friday Night Lights. Yeah we, yeah, we keep crossing him over with high school stuff. Yeah. It's just there's something about well, there's it. there's coming of age. Yeah. 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 You're welcome, Guillermo. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's Hellboy and I guess Hellboy 2 um, mm-hmm. I've never seen either one they're but... delightful Ron Perlman's amazing yeah there you go um, other visually striking and creepy movies ideally with a foreign language bent um, there's The Orphanage which is definitely more of a horror film slash ghost story The City of Lost Children about kidnapped kids who get their dreams stolen by creepers also starring Ron Perlman yeah I didn't also even know that until that. I looked that up yeah um, Let the Right One In about a boy who befriends a vampire and it's creepier than that sounds mm-hmm um, spirited away about a girl who accidentally enters the spirit world and has to save her family. Mm-hmm. Um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which ah. lacks in creepy, but more than makes up for it with visual appeal and kick buttons. Yeah, very evocative design. Yeah, like it's just a wonderful film to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also exciting and fun and well plotted and lots of other things. All that stuff. Um, for books, uh, magical realism as a genre just fits right into this aesthetic. And I think Absolutely. that's that is Guillermo del Toro's aesthetic mm-hmm. um, as also a, a Latin American store. Or, um, is he Mexican-American? Uh, I'm oh, not I sure, actually. Now. He, well, he is um, the Spanish language, at mm-hmm. least. Let me see. Yeah, Mexican. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, the the kind of. The Borgesian, yeah, sort of, yeah, like the the Latin American, Mexican American aesthetic of um, magical, realism. Mag- yeah, like layering um, magic on top of things that are actually very upsetting. Yeah. Um, so we've got a hundred years of solitude, um, like water for chocolate in the time of the butterflies, the house of the spirits. Um, and again, like, um, Jorge Luis Borges, mm-hmm. um, there's, it's a whole genre. So yeah. go check that book out. of imaginary beasts. If you just want something you can like pick up and put yeah. down is delightful. Um, Murakami, who is obviously a Japanese author, so not Latin American in any way, but he definitely walks that line between reality and fantasy in his fiction in a mm-hmm. similar way to um, magical realism. Yeah, very dreamy. Um, and then if you're looking for YA, um, Good Times, the Daughter of Smoke and Bone series by Lonnie Taylor about a girl caught in a battle between angels and demons. Like, I think Del Toro would love this world. Like, mm-hmm. he would dive right into these yeah. monsters. That's right up his labyrinth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would actually love to see him do an adaptation of this. I feel like it would be more Hellboy than not, but it would be fantastic. Yeah, very worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and of course, Labyrinth for the original girl has to save her baby brother from a creepy supernatural weirdo movie. Yeah, there really is a lot of consistency between yeah, those right? themes. 
Man, all these brothers getting lost in labyrinths. I know, right? Baby brothers, man. Mm -hmm. Um, But David Bowie is definitely more attractive than either the fawn or the pale man. David Bowie and David Bowie's package. Yep. (laughs) He just launched a a thousand um, adolescences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, for Saved by the Bell, I mean... Also there, speaking of adolescences. Yeah, seriously. Um, there is, there, there's so much high school stuff out there. So I figured I would mostly dabble in the world of 1980s high school in Alia. I feel like I have other ones I can add to this list. Too. I mean, I think it's going to go for like four know, hours right? if we start talking about it. So I'm just going to throw some quick names out there. Uh, Boy Meets World, The Thinking Persons, Saved by the Bell. True. Uh, the Fresh Prince, The Cool and Class Conscious Persons, Saved by the Bell. So true. Happy Days, The Old Persons, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> yep. Parker Lewis Can't Lose, The Magical Realist Persons, Saved by the Bell. Clarissa Explains It All, The Awesome Persons, Saved yeah. by the Bell. Degrassi, The Canadian Persons, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> and Punky Brewster, The Walt Didn't Watch That One Persons, Saved by oh, the Bell. Oh, I loved Punky Brewster. I know, I put it on there for you. I used to wear different colored shoes and different colored socks for Punky Brewster. Yeah. And then out of a sense of, of obligation, but not endorsement, Full House. Um, it's the same show, basically. It's just so one. It's I would say Full House is even worse. Oh, than by it the got Bell. yeah. I think it's so, so bad. Um, um, but, but really it's cheesy sitcomy 1980s 90s. Yeah, and if you want a searing behind the scenes look at the creation of Saved by the Bell, you can watch that one scene in Thirty Rock where Steve Buscemi goes undercover at a high school and says greetings, fellow kids, while holding a skateboard. Um, it it will be more effective than the uh, behind the Saved by the Bell. Lifetime original movie that Dustin Diamond's memoir was turned into. Um, so yeah, that's my Saved by the Bell recommendations. Yeah. But really, like, there's so much content out there about it, the high yeah. school and adolescence that does so much, so much better than Saved by the Bell. But like, oh, yeah. Saved by the Bell is an aesthetic at this point right. more than it's a property. And like, you had all of TGIF. Yeah, You had, exactly. like, there were, t- like... It's 10, the bottomless 000, abyss. Yeah, like the Saturday afternoon-ish mm-hmm. sitcom stuff. Like, Yeah. You're not hurting for content if you go no. looking. And a lot of it's easy to find because millennials are nostalgia monsters. Oh, so We're awful. Uh, we're fine. <laughs> but, you know, we also have like massive amounts of student loans and no one yeah, can buy anything. We need to escape into something. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think I think we did it. Yes. We got a full pitch. We did. Like, yeah. that was a full plot. Yeah. And well, Screech got eaten, so that's a success. It's true. Yeah, and there's no losers there. Um, so, yeah. Annie, where can people go for more Crossover Appeal-related content? Um, they can find all of our content, including the show notes, at crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com. Um, also, shout out to listener Stars in the Sky on Tumblr, who also pointed out on our website uh, that I missed a really obvious recommendation last week of uh, the Sarah, Cro- Sarah Connor Chronicles, the Terminator sh- uh, TV show starring Summer Glau. Oh, yeah. Um, that was great. Uh, and so, yeah, you should watch that as well. Um, but yeah, and you can make corrections at us on Tumblr at our website. Or, yeah, or um, go to our Facebook page, Crossover mm. Appeal Podcast, and tell us um, there about your um, your corrections for things that we said wrong or ideas like um, fellow podcast. Oh, right. Um, uh, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. The re right, the uh, it's Anna, Anna, Anna and mm, Sam. Anna and Sam's podcast adapted with delightful. Anna and Sam. There it is. Um, they recently suggested a fun idea for a crossover. Yeah, so and, you and also page to and find sh- out. And you should listen to their podcast too. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're Guillermo del Toro's agent and you want to talk to us about a collabo, you can email us at crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and you can tweet at us with your ideas about um, different monsters that would yeah. exist in high school. Absolutely. Where can you tweet at? At uh, Crossover Appeal. Mm-hmm. And you can most importantly subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a rating. Um, it really gets the word out and we don't advertise the show. So it's the main way that we get new listeners. Yeah. So please go and spread the word and let us know what you think. Yeah. And we don't have any commercials on here. So it's true. Yeah. Take take that Not for lack podcast. of trying. I mean, if anybody wants us to sell yeah, something, we'll totally do it. But yeah. in the meantime. Well, remember, we're millennials. We have nothing. It's true. We need so much. Um, but yeah. In the meantime, Annie, we did it. Yeah. I'm very proud of us. Me too. Yeah. We did a, we, we crossed those much, things right much over. Much like um, traveling into a dark fairy tale landscape, we have successfully defeated the challenges. And nobody died. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to call it. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, uh, we'll be back in two weeks with another adventure into mystery and magic. Uh, But for now, uh, this has been Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. I'm Annie Cardi. And we are reminding you to, as always. Please ship responsibly. 